Hey everybody, welcome to My Town Hustle. Today's episode is going to be about CDBG. Stay tuned. Welcome to My Town Hustle, where we take an in-depth look at the people, policies, and processes that make small towns work. Focusing on trends in urbanism and creative economies, My Town Hustle explores the ideas that make our community special. So sit back and enjoy the show. Welcome everybody, my name is Jared Perry and today we are going to be chatting about CDBG, Community Development Block Grants. Uh, I am joined, as always, with the Yoda of all things government, Mr. Brett Alfin. Hey everybody. Hey everybody. <laughs> and Sam Tootin of Sixmo City Services. What's going on? I'm going to say something cooler the next time. Okay, yeah, the next perfect. Time. Can that you do a Yoda impression? Do we need a button? I, so I don't want to. We need a button. Yeah. Yoda yeah. drop. <laughs> we need some extra high tech level uh, stuff here for yeah. the podcast. A little flair. All the uh, way Appalachian. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> the only way. Uh, this is another morning podcast yeah. for us. I like doing these in the morning. I feel like I've got more energy, or I start out with just a little bit of energy. Yeah. But then it just kind of ramps up. Yeah. At the more coffee I drink, <laughs> and true. then it'll probably taper off around nine thirty. <laughs> that's probably where I'm at too. Good to know. Yeah. Um, okay. So, so diving in here, um, Sam, can you kind of walk us through? I don't know. This is a bigger topic. It's a big one. Kind of walk us through a little bit of historical context uh, because CDBG funds, folks who, who are, are completely unaware, yeah. these, I promise you, they pay, play a major role in your community. Mm-hmm. So, wherever you are, whatever size you are. So if you can kind of walk us through the historical part of that, that would be awesome. It's the main dish of the alphabet soup of government, I yeah. would argue. Yeah. Mm. Sam will tell you the same. Yes. Oh. Yes, <laughs> it is. Um, yeah. Uh, How about that? Yeah. I it, like that. <laughs> it's true. It is true. Uh, they, obviously, it's a program that provides uh, annual funds based on formula base, uh, basis to state, cities, and uh, counties, uh, really to develop, to develop viable uh, urban communities, um, obviously by providing decent housing and a suitable living environment, um, but also expanding on economic opportunities. Um, a little bit of history. So in 1974, President Ford enacted uh, CDBG funds through uh, the Housing and Community Development Act. Um, it replaced seven, replaced seven previous programs, and it placed more decision power on locals who were more familiar with the local needs. Right. All the programs were for were more mainly federally or state ran and was not seeing very good success because there was no foot foot on the ground type of type of situation. And I think you could say that the the concept, you know, the spirit of what CDBG was probably started back with LBJ and the Great Society. Yeah. You know, how do we how do we reinvest in our communities? How do we reinvest in our citizenry? To Sam's point, how do we take some of those resources and that decision-making and move it from the Potomac River area into your community? And so mm-hmm. it was an effort to kind of do all of those things. It had bipartisan support, so that yeah. was a, it was a great thing. So, And it was also, remember, and I'm sure this will be part of our later comments, but it was kind of in the heart and in the middle of that phase of our culture where we were doing urban renewal. Yes you know, kind of coming out of the industrial period, the very heavy industrial post-war period of our culture and then moving into 
whatever modern society was going to be. Right. So it, an interesting moment when this program came to be. Yeah. Okay, so so walk me through the 10,000-foot view, I guess uh, maybe even administratively. So I'll let Brett talk more about the entitlement of program of cities, but you get, you obviously you get these funds based a lot of times on population. Um, you're allowed to use them in particular areas, uh, especially low to moderate income. Um, it's usually administrated by somebody on city staff. County level can have CDBG funds. I think our county does get CDBG funds, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and you know, there's activities that can be used. Uh, they're part of this broad national perspective and uh, priorities that the CDBG has in general outlined for you to, to do. I know it can funnel down uh, based on each state. Um, so again, it's not so much the federal has this grand view and it can be broken down and, and specialized more based on what states needs are. Um, but you know, you want to eliminate slum or blight. You want uh, anything that has a uh, urgent threat to health and safety. Uh, if you want real estate acquisition, relocation, demolition, uh, construction of public facilities and improvements, uh, big one, street paving or sidewalks, um, maintenance of uh, neighborhood centers, uh, school buildings, economic development, job creation and retention activities too. So there is a lot of programs that when you use CDBG funds and you do create jobs, that does get monitored to how many jobs it's creating, um, what they're getting paid, and how long that's lasting. So the critical concept in CDBG, if you go to the definition, is the block grant part. Yeah. So the idea is the federal government is going to have, um, through HUD, they're going to have contractual relationships with, like Sam saying, entitlement communities, so your larger communities. The rest of it comes as a block grant to the state. And then the state can create programs and fund projects and yeah. allocate and distribute those funds in the ways that they want to. That's the spirit of the block grant, right? Yeah. We're giving it to you state. Here's our basic guidelines, make programming that meets these requirements. And every state, I would argue they do it very similar, but they're all different. Yeah. Um, yeah. So in Ohio, um, there's four or five different things. So there's, there's an allocation program, which is how do non-entitlement communities get this kind of regular funding that you can do projects with mm -hmm. that's allocation. Ohio also does a neighborhood revitalization program, a downtown revitalization program, a critical infrastructure program and a residential uh, uh, public infrastructure program. So those programs are all funded through CDBG. Every state probably has something similar to that, but that's yeah. what the state has created saying, we're going to take this block of funds that have been given to us. We know what the requirements are. This is what folks need. We're going to create these programs. Yeah. Gotcha. So, why would you, if you were talking to somebody, they had no clue about what you're talking about, CDBG funds. Let's say they're driving by uh, somebody fixing up a sidewalk for yeah. ADA accessibility. Walk them through why they should care about CDBG funds and probably why their tax dollars, right? My tax dollars aren't <laughs> going towards that that project. Because yeah. I'm a person that, that has said multiple times, it's got to show me the benefit and the value in a, in a community of many needs. Why is that, that thing important? And I think a lot of people might presume that their tax dollars, their money is going towards that project when in fact it's not. And that the community or the city in this case is perceived as doing something that is of low value and of low need, but it's not actually the city's money. It's the federal money being used as 
deemed appropriate by what you've just laid out. If you think that local taxes are a black hole, what are federal taxes? <laughs> yeah. So to so to your point, Jared. Yeah. So to your point, Jared. This truer this, words have never yeah. been spoken. But but this is the point, Jared. These are your tax dollars. These are your federal tax dollars. Right. And the idea, I think the the most layman term, the layman description of CDBG is. The CDBG is the main vessel through which we reclaim some of those federal taxes that we mm-hmm. pay back into our communities. It's reinvested back into our communities. So, or redistribution of other more it, affluent and wealthy it, communities. It is because yeah. in our first episode, you know, we talked about how we are middle of the road. Yes, our yeah. median income's thirty some thousand dollars a year. You know, <clears throat> we're paying taxes federally. Okay, yes, yes. Yeah. but we're paying a much less than other communities for sure so i mean right in the documentation it it literally says redistribution yeah it is and, and there was a time in our culture i don't i'm not saying this time is now but there was a time in our culture when redistributing wealth was an important concept and was an important yeah. function of government and was important to communities and so i think it's still important now i just think it's that's like a dirty word, right? To say that yeah. because that imposed that implies the classism and and uh, financial disparity, all those kinds of things. But to your point, this is your federal tax dollar coming back to your community yeah. in the form of these grants to states. Yeah. So you're getting it back. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. And I think you, when you talk about sidewalks and seeing sidewalks or repaving being done, th- that is low hanging fruit. It's very easy sure. to just use those funds for that. I think what's more important for listeners out there is to understand what your city or municipality, what other programs do they have? You know, are they, do they use those funds for, for repainting of your home for minor or major home repairs or, you know, emergency, like what programs are they actually functioning on with those funds and what are they really, I think, advocating for? Yeah. And I think I saw, you know, in the write up, you know, something about a community action plan or, or something like that, you know, yes. tying in with your comprehensive plan yes. and things yeah. like that. So kind of go, tell me a little bit more about that. Well, they're supposed to identify the needs of the community. So they obviously have like an annual report and they have a plan to where they want to use these funds. So you might see, again, the sidewalks being done. And if you have no direct need for federal assistance that the city is administrating through these programs, you really wouldn't know that they have a maybe a program that will repaint your home for you. Um, And do you even know that you have a voice in that? Oh, probably not. No. Uh, Right. Like these are in large part, public meetings where they're talking about, okay, we're getting these dollars. How do we want to spend them? The cool part about this, Jared, and I know Sam knows this is that CBG is like the poster child of bottoms up community development. Yeah. This, the federal government is giving you very broad guidelines. Um, you know, help, don't help poor people, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, you know, improve the conditions for those less fortunate. And, and I'm, I'm just summarizing it very generally. But when through the block grant, again, the beauty of the block grant is we're giving you the money mm-hmm. and the general guidelines, you figure out what's best for you and your community in applying these funds. For example, a lot of those non-entitlement communities, there's allocation programs like mm-hmm. Washington County gets allocation. Every two years they get around, and this is kind of similar for many counties, but just as an example, it's around $180,000 of which you can do three projects. And so the commissioners in those counties, they solicit for those projects and folks have the opportunity to provide input mm-hmm. on those projects. And very typically there, it comes out to be things like you're saying sidewalk repair, but it's also thing, I've seen things like playground equipment, 
-hmm. I've seen mm -hmm. things like a lot of uh, volunteer fire department equipment, um, community and recreation center rehab or, or e expansions and things like that that are very community-based that you probably can't get funded through any other public program True. without the local bottoms-up development of CDBG. So it goes into a lot of things that I think to your, what you're asking, the spirit of what you're asking, Jared, is where does it go? Mm -hmm. It goes into all these things that we love in our communities and we see them, but we often ask like, how does that happen? Like yeah. how did, how did this community center get built way out in this township yeah, area right. or way out in this community or how did, why is there this beautiful picnic shelter with this wonderful playground equipment out in the middle of nowhere? It was probably a CDBG allocation program, which I would argue that's exactly what it's for. Yeah. These yeah. small, and I'm talking about, these are very small. Very these small. projects are very small. And again, there's a litany of programs we could go on for five hours about all the programs, right. but most locally that's that's what it it comes down as that often yeah okay so with that in mind I, th I think one of the things that i've kind of picked up on here i guess actually when when andy was still um you know working with the port authority was there's kind of always this tension maybe in a in a community like ours so within the county right you have marietta and i think outside of marietta it's perceived that all of the dollars within the county kind of gets drove into the major you know city if you will within that county so to your point having a you know a, a recreational shelter out in the middle of you know somewhere between lowell and beverly which are, are two communities just outside of of marietta might seem to some it's like well why would you ever put that there well it's because those people in those areas you know, they're entitled to this just as much as anybody else, Yeah. you know, and they shouldn't, you know, be penalized just because they live 25, 30 minutes out of town. You've summarized the rural plight very well. <laughs> Good. A plus, Mr. Perry. I've got like 11 years of projects listing here just for allocation. Well, do you want to go into that? I was just going to say as other examples of these local, you know, county-based allocation projects, they're everything you could think of. It's, Again, fire protection equipment, parking facilities, um, spot facility clearance. So if you've got blum, blight, blum, blum. <laughs> if you've got blight properties, uh, that's, that's an eligible use. Um, obviously, curbs and sidewalks. Uh, yeah. Projects at senior centers. We've done yeah. projects at senior centers. Mm -hmm. Lots of playground equipment and other related things. Fencing, um, public restrooms, small you know there's the chip program which is limited home repair there's yeah. fair housing which is part of that as well so there's a litany of things that these things go into but i think to your point jared it 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 provides a more equitable distribution of these resources for folks who are paying their taxes just like we are yeah. and yeah. deserve to get the benefit just like anybody else and so I, I think cdbg is like a much maligned idea i think people feel like it's a giveaway it's it's yeah. charity i mean Literally every article I read was yeah. talking about, I mean, they use free money in quotation sure. marks. That's the kind of yeah. the, what people view it as, and that's a very bad thing. Yeah. Well, and it's ironic because if it's not free money, because there's very limited match required for some of these things. Correct. When you do have not free money, people are also mad about that. Yeah. So I would argue yeah. that communities like ours of high need, like we've said a lot of times, they need free money. Or, or it is very helpful to them. So yeah. I don't know. I don't like to look at it as a giveaway. I think it's a it's a, w a great use of the tax dollars we're all contributing. And we all deserve to benefit from it, whether we're urban or rural. Right. I mean, it's. I think it's a good thing. Yeah. Especially if it gets somebody off their feet or if it provides more economic value over time in terms of a, a neighborhood actually revitalizing and putting those sure. dollars back, back into 
back into the system. Well, yeah. to Jared's earlier points in a lot of episodes, I mean, we're high need and we don't have all the resources locally to address all the needs that are out there yeah. and to address all the project concerns that folks have in communities. And so this is just another tool in our arsenal to help get us closer to achieving those things that we want, because we can't do if, if it's all has to be local or just with our private dollars or what we generate locally, like we can't get there. Yeah. And so these resources become very important in those conversations yeah. and moments. So yeah. some other resources that could obtain CDBG funding would be nonprofits. Yes. Um, so kind of walk me through that. I, I assume main streets are, can also, uh, receive CDBG funds, Correct. uh, for certain initiatives or whatever. But you know, if I'm me, if I'm Jared Perry and I, I want to create a nonprofit and request funds, technically I am allowed to do that. And so a lot of the stuff I was reading, uh, in preparation for this was about reform within CDBG because of the misuse and kind of um, on both sides of the aisle, Mm -hmm. depending on where your community sways, you know, on that pendulum, it's kind of like a pet project program. And you, you seed those dollars by going, giving to the nonprofit. And then the nonprofit then takes whatever their pet projects are based on their political, you know, undertones and beliefs and value sets. And they implement those initiatives. And I think, I think the reason I'm hesitating at your answer, Jared, is that in my experience, I've seen, you're right. Nonprofits can access CDBG funds, but it typically all CDBG funds have to come through local government of some form of local government. Yeah. And so in your case, you're probably talking about, you know, I'm a nonprofit organization. You're probably going to get those funds through the cities, especially if they're an entitlement community, right? They're going to do a project with you. Hmm. So there's still accountability because the the city or the community that's granting those funds to you, they have to provide all the reporting yep. mm-hmm. and all yep. everything that goes along with it. So I, I do see how it could be, there could be concerns, but I still think that since there's a government, a local government involved and they're accountable to their state program and the yeah. state program's accountable to the federal program is that it's not a giveaway directly to a nonprofit. I mean, there has to be some kind of a defined project that would allow them to be eligible. It's going to be part of our plan. It kind of meets our goals. So I, I do see what you're saying, but there still is a local government in the middle there that's going to help mediate that relationship, yeah. which I think right. is an important an important yeah. part. hundred percent. And so in this specific example, um, there was a community that whose median income was like 70 some thousand mm-hmm. a year, which is high. And they, they had a, a, I think it was an unused pool and that they wanted to convert into a splash pad. Mm-hmm. Right. So when you, when you start looking at what we talked about in the very beginning, right, mm-hmm. this needs to help low to mm-hmm. moderate or very low income folks. Yeah. You're in a very affluent community. You're getting a lot of free money air quote, right? And your project is to convert an old pool into a splash pad. Is that the spirit? Because it technically, we just talked about playgrounds and equipment. Technically, it does fit, right? Yeah. Yeah. This, that's the policing part that I guess I was finding in all of this. I don't, I, I probably just look for the drama, yeah. right? <laughs> because it's easy for me to throw grenades. But, you know. But, but was it in a neighborhood that, although the median of the community was 70, is there a pocket where this, what this place pool used to be 
that is low to moderate income that meets that meets that track of that of of median income could could be yeah. don't know don't know I, I would say though if you are in a here's my counter right balancing thought if you will if you're in a community with a median income and this is a smaller community of 70,000 you're poor got to be real poor like yeah. real poor in order for that to balance out to 70. Yeah. So is a splash pad the best use of those? Is that the highest and best use, the highest need? I don't know. That's true. I can't believe we've got this far without a hot take from Brett. Come yeah. on, hot take. Uh-huh. Here comes the hot take. <laughs> and I think, Jared, you're hitting on probably the biggest irony that surrounds this program. And here's what I'm saying. Everybody wants to be low to moderate income or poor when it benefits them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when you're doing a project or receive their federal money back, like you were talking about earlier, when you're doing a project and you don't have enough money to do that project and you want grant money, suddenly we try to figure out how poor are we? Mm -hmm. How can it be? How can I get some of this money that's targeted to low to moderate income? (laughs) To your point, we're not a low to moderate income community, but I want to let's do an income survey and show how poor we are. I once had a community person in this community ask me at work, Hey, Brett, I'd like to do an income survey for this area because I need to show that 80% of people in this particular neighborhood are low to moderate income. I could have died on the spot right there because I was like, there's no possible way. The community we're talking about, and I'm not going to name the names, but Mm -hmm. there's no possible way that's going to be the number. They did the work and 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 it came back something like 15%. So my hot take is everybody wants to be low to moderate income when it benefits them in the ways of, hey, I can get some extra grant money. Yeah. Nobody wants to be low to moderate income in real life, actual low to moderate income. Right. Yeah. And so there's great irony here. And to Sam's point, this program was created to benefit those folks. Yeah. Um, it's not for every place. I mean, yeah. that's the point of it. And yet when it comes to funding or we want to get some grant money, we are always trying to squeeze our way into that, whether we should be or not. And so... That's a that's a that's an argument. That's an issue everywhere, um, and we. I mean, we, <laughs> we could go for hours on, on just that. Yeah. But there is great irony there. But yeah. It, but but if that project was approved, there must be a variable in there that allowed it to happen. Agreed. That we're missing. Yep. Just because obviously again. Well, I mean, I think we we it fits the bill. It fits right. the bill in a project, but it must it has to fit there must on the be, eligibility side you're talking it, about. Yeah. There has right. it, but there has to be something there that allowed that to happen. Yep. So my 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 question, I guess, my provoking question is is reform needed maybe not even in the structure or the guidelines, but in the allocation. You know, if a if a community is really overperforming. Does it make more sense? I can't believe I'm saying this. Does it make more sense to give an underperforming community, you know, more, but then at the same times I'm sitting here saying, Oh geez, I can't believe I'm saying this. So we've got to have a checks and balances. You know, is there also a limit to how many consecutive years you can go and still be performing so poorly, which means you're just a terrible steward yeah. of these dollars that we're giving you, and it's it's not worth the investment at so this point. So one question at a time. First question yeah. on the underperforming, should they get more? Sam, I would love to get your take on this. Yeah. In my mind, CDBG, in its spirit, was created to promote equity. 
amongst communities. Yeah. It's probably doing a fair job of that because there are communities. I mean, think about the projects we've just said. Would those things happen were it not for CDBG? I would argue probably not. Probably not. Yeah. Clearly, in 1974 and in still now, there are communities that are high-performing and there are communities that are, have challenges. And the idea is we're trying to level the playing field between those. And so there's not yeah. such disparity between them. I mean, is uh, that accurate, Sam? No, do you think that's... Yeah, absolutely. But it is not fair across the board in terms of who administers, how, how many people have what staff, because even even the terms of overperforming, maybe economically, they might be way overperforming in terms of administratively too in their city. Sure, they're just way better staffed to handle uh, more than one project at a time. Yeah, lower performing communities yes. probably deserve more. Yes, than higher performing communities. Yes, yeah. but at the on the flip side, if a community continues to perform poorly, poorly. Sure poorly year in year out year in year out year in year out at some point at some point you got to say you know what you're a terrible steward of of, of these dollars well yeah. there are there are programmatic guardrails so in ohio and again states have great leeway in this they can yep. they, they can do a lot of what they want in ohio in a lot of these competitive programs you know the downtown revitalization neighborhood revitalization the public infrastructure critical you can only have so many open grants at a time so maybe you can only have two open at a time and those are called competitive set aside. So if you only ha can have so many of those open, it prevents to what you're saying. You can't have one a year for five years. Yeah. So states can put uh, requirements in there about how often can you apply, how long in between projects can you apply? And I think that helps that Jared, because I think you're absolutely right. There are communities, whether they need it or not, that seek this funding every single year. I, mm -hmm. I could, there are some in Southeastern Ohio. I can tell you right now, I, I, in the work I do every day, I know the places that have 15 projects yeah. ready to go for this for the next 15 years. Yeah. Um, so to your point, those guidelines help provide equity in the funding so other mm -hmm. folks have chances. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're, you're right. I mean, there, there's a concern there, and, and states have leeway and the ability to kind of impact that through their regulation, and yeah. most of them do that pretty well. Yeah. Okay, so before we, we kind of shut this show down, are there... Anything else out there that you guys want to want to talk about? Maybe some projects that you think fit the the spirit or the intent most appropriately for small town America. I'm more of a fan and advocate for just the home ownership or home repair or putting those dollars back into uh, low to moderate income actual homes. Um, with requirements, obviously, that, you know, especially, you know, you need a new hot water heater, you get one. You know, what are the requirements to get one? How you how are you eligible to, to, to do that, to make living conditions better, um, more so than just sidewalk repairs? I think a community that really advocates for that really well is the city of Parkersburg and their programming and what they offer. And, again, sidewalk repairs or projects um, use – CDBG funds as leverage, you know, to make uh, enhancements uh, throughout the board uh, on infrastructure, but actual programs that benefit people um, directly in their homes, I think is, is what I like about what it's I like where you spend program. the most time. Certainly. Yeah. And you make the biggest impact. And I think, you know, back to even the question of how people can be involved and they do have a right to be involved. It it's, 
dealing with those individuals solely and working with them on what, what, what needs to be done. And I just, to not do that, in my opinion, with these funds is, is misguided. For me, Jared, the, my experience shows me that the large scale public infrastructure needs that our communities have and are going to continue to have over the next years and decades is a, probably the most important place where we're applying these funds. So think about wastewater treatment plant upgrades, water distribution upgrades, water and sewer, uh, you know, system repairs, uh, extensions, those things. Those are the areas where I see the application of CDBG becoming the most critical because there's really, those projects are becoming so expensive mm-hmm. and we have to draw all, I mean, it takes four or five, sometimes four or five grant sources or public funding sources to do one project in the modern day. And so having those CDBG funds available to contribute to those projects and communities where there's really not another way to fund those large scale capital investment projects is, so I love Sam's cause I mean that it talks perfectly to Sam's experience as the hometown guy. I work, I love working in neighborhoods. That's, and I think he's right on the money. That's an important thing. And for me, just my experience has shown on the larger regional level that we have those infrastructure needs that we don't have another way to meet. And we need every, hmm. we need every weapon in the arsenal to fight yeah. this fight. And so for me, it's those larger projects because if, if those systems are left to fail and have other challenges, then it's not just our economic vitality that's in trouble. It's our, it's our livelihoods. It's our, sometimes our lives, not to make it hyperbolic. Yeah. But yeah. And I would, I would kind of argue, you know, beckoning back to a, a previous episode, if you don't take those initiatives and have those projects to extend utility out to where it needs to go and upgrade it, then you're looking at a more densification of the sure. micropolitan area that yes. we're, we're talking about yes. because those people are going to have to become closer literally to go what, to get what they need. Yeah. Like yes. water, basic yep. need. Yep. Okay. Well, I think, um, that's all the questions I have. I don't know if there's anything left on the table that you guys want to chat about, uh, before we, we shut this episode down. I'm, I'm I think we're going to get some questions. There's probably a part to it, to this. Yeah. In the yeah. I had, yeah. if I had to guess, I've, I've got other things, but I don't think it fits exactly with what we're the vein we have went in for this episode. So be on the lookout for a, you know a CDBG round two. I, I I would be interested in hearing from listeners of what they didn't know their communities offer based on CDBG funds, and then how easy or not easy it was to get that information from them uh, by reaching out and say, hey, what what programs do you offer? Because yeah. and where are the public meetings, you know, that I can, you know, just sit in on and yeah. kind of give my two cents yeah. of, of how these might be used. Because really, and, my, and back to my, my take, you know, if you have a hot water heater that goes out, you know, sometimes you don't think to ask your local city government sure. for help. You know, that's yeah. not something that would cross my mind. Yeah. And I don't think it would cross many people's minds. So yeah. to the city has to be advocating that those programs are out there. That way they educate the people that you can do this. People aren't just going to, Oh, how do I get a hot water heater? Google yeah. and you know, Oh, city, we can get it right. from the city. It's, it's not on them. It's on the, it's on your administration. Yep. Uh, I want to give a shout out. We have some fanfare. Hey, our fan first. mail, fan mail, nice. fan mail to Mitch Lawton. The zoning officer out of the city of Norwalk, Ohio, sent us a very nice email uh, not too long ago uh, just saying he enjoyed the show. Uh, he especially liked the land bank uh, one. He is on his board or his county land bank board. 
um, was going to we need pass. to interview him. Yeah, told him, told him we appreciated it. We'd like to hear from him, uh, but I wanted to give him uh, a shout out because that was uh, the very first email we received. So uh, I won't do that for all the emails, but I just wanted to give him a shout out and that we really appreciate it. Shout out to you, man. Keep yep. doing it. Yep. Thank you. Uh, so with that, uh, hit us up, support at My Town Hustle if you've got any questions, comments, concerns, or, or criticisms. Um, and uh, if you would, you know, we appreciate uh, you know, a five-star review. That helps us gain exposure for you know, our mission here at, at My Town Hustle, certainly. So until next time, folks, thank you. Thank you for listening to My Town Hustle. We would greatly appreciate it if you would share our podcast with someone who you think would benefit greatly from it. But most importantly, subscribe and leave us a rating and review on iTunes, Spotify, or whichever platform you consume your podcasts. It would mean the world to us. Until next time, folks, thanks for listening. We stop dancing and begin.